All right, here we go with Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's start with the breaking news here with the uh, president of the BC Teachers Federation with uh, the return to school in the fall saying mm-hmm. they should bring back the mask mandate and kids yep. should be masked up in school. Uh, here's Terry Mooring, president of the BC Teachers Federation, talking to Simi about that this morning. We think we need to start the school year with a mask mandate again. Um, why would you not do that? Why would you not have all the measures in place that could potentially help? Uh, it is much easier to start with a mask mandate and then pull it back as things look better than it is to institute it after the fact. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, I wouldn't be surprised if we do uh, not return to a mask mandate. Uh, the Delta variant right now is infecting younger people because uh, they're less vaccinated. Uh, so the numbers of, of kids who have tested positive for COVID-19 who are in their teens is going up. Those are school-aged children. Uh, we are we are uh, vaccinating p- kids between 12 and uh, 19, but it's taking some time because they are they were last in the queue. So we're going to be in the school year with a fair number of kids in school not vaccinated. Interesting question, though, and you and I talked about this yesterday. Yeah. Will Terry Mooring go one step further and advocate for all her members to be mandatory vaccinated. As you've got college faculty associations are demanding that everyone in a university or college setting be vaccinated. Would the TF take the view that everyone in a school, uh, in terms of kids 12 and up, be vaccinated, including students, staff, and teachers? And It's an ongoing discussion. I I talked to Dr. Henry about this last week, asked her about uh, mandatory vaccines. In school, she says this is a work in progress. There's an ongoing discussion. There's a committee that is composed of school administration, uh, teachers, union, uh, you know, superintendents and such, and Ministry of Education folks, and public health, and they're working towards a policy. So nothing's off the table, and don't be res- don't be surprised if masks don't come so back. What do you read into the fact that you've got the president of the teachers' union saying we want face masks in schools, but no mention of the vaccines? She probably would not go out there and say, I want mandatory vaccines for the members of my own union. No, I uh, yeah, you don't see a lot of unions advocating that. Uh, it is, uh, you know, it's they're working to protect their members, and there's, you know, I guess a couple arguments there, but I, I'd be surprised if TF would advocate for mandatory vaccines. Although, I don't see that. that said, you, as you mentioned, you had the faculty association mm-hmm. at the at UBC, which is effectively a union, saying we want mandatory vaccines for students and for professors. So they were yep. calling for mandatory vaccines for their own people. So that's a, quite a difference from the, the position that's being taken by some of these other public sector unions, notably the teachers and the BC Nurses Union too. In the past, well, well the Nurses Union in the past fought the mandatory flu vaccine, right? If you recall, now I haven't heard as much vocalization about mandatory vaccines right now. We are talking about potentially healthcare workers having to have mandatory vaccines. Uh, right now, the, the position is for long-term care home. If you're not vaccinated, you have to get tested two or three times a week, and you have to wear full PPE, as seen as a discouragement for people clinging to anti-vaccination views. But again, this is a work in progress, and, and it's evolving. We're not at the final stop yet. Okay, it's, I think it's an easier one for someone like Bonnie Henry to say, okay, we'll go back to masks in schools in the fall. And I agree with you. I, I suspect that will probably happen, mm-hmm. that we'll, have, we'll see kids masked up again in schools. But going that step further for mandatory vaccination in the school says, I mean, are you really going to say like kids would have to be vaccinated if they're over 12? Yeah, that's you know, why I don't, they can't go to school. I don't think we're going to go to that point. I think yeah. it's more likely we'd see mandatory masks rather than mandatory vaccinations. And, and Dr. Right. Henry has said before, she doesn't want to base... Your access to education uh, should not be based on whether you're vaccinated or not. And again, we're not going to. What's been ruled out is you're not going to be barred from essential services because you're not vaccinated. Education is an essential service, 
So I don't see us uh, going that route. Well, certainly K to 12 education. I mean, post-secondary might be a different story because mm-hmm. now you've got you got the faculty association at UBC, the faculty at the University of Victoria also looking for mandatory vaccines. So the pressure building here for mandatory vaccines in colleges and universities. Well, you know, the the uh, vaccination rate for ki- for people between 18 and 25, it's actually pretty high. It's, you know, approaching 80%, which and in fact that age group is higher a vaccination rate than any age group under the age of 40 in terms of five-year age groups. People in their 30s have slightly lower vaccination rates than, than people in their 20s, which I don't think a lot of people saw coming. So in terms of people at university being vaccinated, there's going to be a high level of vaccination already without a mandatory requirement. Now, it is different in the interior where people yeah. in their 20s have about 65% vaccination rate, much lower than their counterparts in, in Metro Vancouver. Get set to call me on the open line on that one and let me know what you think about that masks and vaccines in schools, colleges, universities. That's a hot topic right now. We started the show today, Keith, talking about the uh, election watch, which continues mm-hmm. in the country. Will Justin Trudeau trigger an election in Canada? I spoke to Don Davies, who's the NDP MP in Vancouver, running for re-election. He's the NDP health critic. And here he is talking to me this morning making the case against an election call because of the pandemic right now. Here he is. It's really a shame. I mean, you asked if it was wise to have an election. I, I don't know about that, Mike, but I do I do know it's unnecessary. Yeah. You know, and, and frankly, uh, it's been our, our party's position that, you know, the economy needs attention, people's health needs attention. We're in the beginning, uh, you know, well into the beginning of a fourth wave that uh, we, we, we think Canadians would rather have us go back to Ottawa and, and, and work together to address those important issues than go to a needless election. Okay, I'm not sure that's going to stop Trudeau from no. trying to trigger an election. So no opposition party wants elections right now in a pandemic because no opposition party has fared well in elections during a pandemic. So uh, we, I mean, what Don Davies says, basically what the B.C. Liberals said in the last election campaign in B.C., we don't need an election. No, you don't need one, but that doesn't stop a government from, from holding one because they know they can benefit from it. So um, having said that, I still think NDP is probably a bit of an, uh, I think, um, underestimated here i think they could benefit from uh, an election in terms of improving their seat count maybe enough to deny justin trudeau a majority which is the reason to have an election from trudeau's point of view but i don't think uh, don davies arguments are really going to have much uh, much traction with justin trudeau well i was laughing and rolling my eyes yesterday listening to jugmeet singh the federal ndp leader saying justin trudeau do not call a federal election here because of the pandemic when he was out campaigning mm-hmm. for John Horgan in a provincial election just last fall mm-hmm. when we were going into the second wave of the virus. And let me play this clip here for you. This is Jugmeet Singh just last year campaigning in a pandemic election for the NDP in B.C. Have a listen. I'm hanging out with Katrina Chen here in Burnaby. She's amazing, passionate. The child care, she's been behind it, fighting for you. Katrina, how do you feel? I'm feeling great, especially with you here and uh, voting for me. Thank yes, you, Jimmy. I just... Oh, okay, so there he is uh, vigorously campaigning in a, in a pandemic election. He didn't have any problem with it last year. No, and again, uh, it, 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 this argument uh, is going to fall flat, I think, fairly quick, as it did last time. We all predicted back in the, in the fall election in B.C., 
you know, there was going to be a few days of criticism about holding an election uh, in the pandemic. And then after a while, you never heard about that again. So this yeah. issue will start at the beginning of the campaign. You're going to hear the opposition parties complain. Why are we in an election campaign? But that doesn't that doesn't sustain your message for 35 days or whatever the campaign length is going to be. They're going to have to move on to other issues. OK, well, we'll see if Trudeau has any second thoughts here, but I, I still think it's coming. We also talked earlier on the show today about the, the sentence handed down uh, mm-hmm. to Michael Spavor, of course, one of the two Michaels, the two Canadians being held in China in, I think, obvious retaliation to Canada's arrest of uh, tech executive Meng Wanzhou. So we got 11 years mm. uh, in prison in China on espionage charges. It was interesting to hear Aaron O'Toole, the conservative leader, suggesting maybe should Canada should boycott uh, the Beijing Olympics next year in retaliation. Have a listen to this. Another clip of O'Toole yesterday uh, speaking out against China. The denial of Robert Schellenberg's appeals must be seen for what it is a foreign government planning to take the life of a Canadian for political reasons. The use of the death penalty is abhorrent, but to impose it for political reasons is inexcusable. We will be watching tonight's verdict, and we won't be alone. The Chinese Communist Party needs to know that the world is watching. Okay, that was uh, him speaking before the 11-year sentence was handed down to Michael Spavor, and he was also referring there to Robert Schellenberg, another Mm -hmm. Canadian who'd been arrested on drug trafficking charges in China, and a court there upheld his death sentence this week. And I think the timing is no coincidence with the Meng Wanzhou extradition hearing uh, back underway in Vancouver. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see whether or not the Olympic boycott idea takes uh, picks up some speed here. Now, Canada is in a unique situation. You don't... You don't have other countries necessarily in the position we're in. Um, a, a Canadian boycott of the Olympics by ourselves, I'm not sure that would have a huge impact, but uh, this is an interesting file to watch going forward. It is unconscionable what's going on over there. Oh, but yeah. again, the Meng Wanzhou case continues to go through courts, and it seems to be... It's not, a, it's not an iron-shut uh, cl- uh, iron case here that she's going to be extradited. Right. There's stuff... The judge is questioning some of the evidence that's come in there. Okay, hopefully the two Michaels come home because there was talk about uh, deporting uh, the two Michaels yesterday by these Chinese. The, 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 the question is when. All right, welcome back. It's Baldry's Beat. The phone lines are open. Star 9898 on your cell. Let's go right to your calls. Uh, Rick in Port Moody. Hey, Rick. Oh, hi, guys. Um, thanks hi. for taking my call. Yeah, you know what? Um, this university um, mandate or the push now for getting uh, vaccinated and, and masks it is really quite interesting to listen to. I've got a, our daughter is going a year th- back to university starting in September, year three. Uh, and we're all vaccinated. I'm vaccinated. My family's vaccinated. She's vaccinated. We did everything that, you know, we've been told to do because, uh, you know, it, it makes sense. Uh, and, um, right. you know, we're covered. So if someone comes in to our house and they've got the virus, we're going to get it whether they're vaccinated or not, and, and our bodies will, will fight it. So it, it's really an, an, a non-starter. And I don't understand why this is such a it's almost like i feel that people they demand you to follow the follow their uh, regulations even though it's not going to for the most part not going to affect most of the people but the bottom line is we need to start getting back to normal life and and we've we've done it i mean bc is what we're 75 percent we're over 75 percent um double double vaccinated uh, it's time to just you know move on and say life needs to carry on and if you've made the decision not to get the shot by now, it's your decision. I mean, we can't yeah. keep telling people where, you know, you know, where you got to get it. You got to get it. They, these are people that you're not just not going to sway for the most. Okay. Part. 
Rick, thank you for the call. So Keith, your thoughts. Right now, 5% of the cases are people who've been double-dose vaccinated, fully vaccinated. Uh, some of those people end up in hospital. There have been a, a few deaths. These are generally older people. But uh, the vaccine does not give you 100% protection. No vaccine does. So the, the we're trying to achieve as high a number as possible to achieve herd immunity, where the virus literally dies out and has no, no bodies to feast on. But we're not there yet. If we're stuck at 85% vaccination rate and you get 20,000 people at a Canucks game, that means potentially 3,000 people there are unvaccinated. So do you bring in a rule as France is doing, as Israel's doing, as Germany's doing, as Quebec says it's going to do, that you cannot go to certain events, certain activities, unless you show proof of vaccination. I still think we're headed in that road. I don't think we're going to see mandatory vaccination rules for universities, schools. You don't think, so you don't think Bonnie Henry is going to bend on that? I don't think she's going to come in with a mandatory rule, but I do think mm. the, the, it seems clear there's probably going to be, and Adrian Dix referred to this last week, and not everybody picked up on this. She's, he basically said, we can't force you to be vaccinated, but there will be consequences, in his words, consequences if you're not vaccinated. Okay, my read on it is Bonnie Henry does not want to bring in a mandatory vaccine no. rules. I mean, I think, I think she's been pretty consistent on that, but the pressure seems to be building, and if you look south of the border, I mean, there's hundreds, literally hundreds, of colleges and the universities that have brought in mandatory vaccination rules, including all the major universities just across the border in Washington State. We've hardly ever followed the states. Well, there's been two in there's been two in Canada so far. Two that are brought of, in two out of hundreds. Well, there's it, but look what's going on in BC now. Now you got UBC. All the unions at UBC are calling for it. Yeah, well, UVic. I, I don't see it, but I do think there's going to be consequences if you're not vaccinated for certain activities. Right. Jeff and Langley on the open line. Hi, Jeff. Hey, how come uh, our two Michaels are locked up in a jail cell and Mungwa's living in a $10 million mansion? Maybe we should uh, put an orange jumpsuit on her, stick her in a cell, and let them know that, hey, you know, this is how it's going to be now. Well, the, the reason is we have a justice system and, and they don't. I mean, you know, and she, her lawyer was able exactly. to convince a judge to let her do house arrest yeah, we're not with gonna, electronic monitoring. And there's no such thing in China. I mean, you know, they're not letting those guys out of jail. We're not going to copy the Chinese system of, of uh, yeah. justice because they don't have a justice system. No, I mean, I mean, it's clearly retaliatory. It's clearly kind of hostage diplomacy that's going on. And it's appalling. Let's go to John in Vancouver. Hey, John. Hi, yes, uh, because I have pericarditis, I couldn't take the MNRA vaccines and had to get AstraZeneca. Not And when the third booster shot comes, am I going to be able to get AstraZeneca? Good question. Good question. Uh, we're running out of AstraZeneca. We're not having any more shipments coming in as far as I can see, but we're not at a third booster shot yet, probably not until next spring at the earliest. Uh, that's public health officials have basically said in this province. Anyways, Quebec's a little different. Uh, they are offering that third shot to, for traveling purposes, but Dr. Henry has ruled out that third dose uh, for the foreseeable future. Walter in Cloverdale. Walter, you got 30 seconds here. Yes, uh, I'm a teacher at a public school, and if we want to boost uh, the rates of vaccination for young people, why don't we just say if you uh, get double vaccinated, you won't have to wear a mask at school, and you'll see massive numbers of kids, believe me, sign up to be vaccinated, and their parents will be glad to do it for them. Okay, it's only 12 and over that can get the vaccine, right? That's Keith? right. We don't have any vaccines for kids under the age of 12. That may happen later this winter, but we're not there yet. But again, the most active conversations right now and discussions are on the school front, both university and K-12, to because yeah. that's opening in September, and there's a little more urgency attached to those situations than there are to other, other sectors of, the, of uh, society. Keith, thanks for coming Talk in. Talk tomorrow.